Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Tonight we're kicking off uh, our series on the Gospel of John which we're going to call A Portrait of Jesus. Um, And John was a follower of Jesus. He was one of his disciples. And he was one of his closest friends during his time here on earth. This book is one of four Gospels, which is one of four accounts of Jesus' ministry. And it sits at the beginning of the New Testament, alongside three other accounts of Jesus' life that all take slightly different points of focus in their accounts on his ministry. And they are written by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And this series on John's Gospel is going to take us on a bit of a journey through Jesus' ministry, and it's going to help us to explore who he is through each miracle and interaction. A love greater than one we have ever known is revealed to the world. And John's purpose is actually laid out right at the end of his book, which I feel like is a writing error and a bit of a spoiler, but I'm going to share it now anyway. So this comes in, in John chapter 20. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So everything John includes is designed for that one purpose. I once heard John's gospel be referred to as the documentary of the gospels, and documentaries are often economic. You don't want a big crew. You often need to be able to work fast and quickly to capture exactly what you need. They're also focused on a specific subject. If David Attenborough during Blue Planet took a detour to Platfields Park, we'd probably be fairly confused. (laughs) And for me, the best documentaries are intimate. You learn new things about a person or an event or a subject. Even the most minor details can become a revelation. The best documentaries challenge your perspective or your expectations of a person or thing. And they are definitely not any of the murder mysteries on Netflix And there is no exception to this, and I'm not sorry. Uh, My favourite documentary is called Mistaken for Strangers. It's about a band I love called The National. Some of you might know them more recently because they play a big part in some of Taylor Swift's newest music, which is why it's actually good. Um, And this documentary... This documentary was planned to be a very stereotypical music documentary. Follow the band on tour, do some interviews, make them look well cool, sell some extra merch job done. So because it was meant to be that simple, the lead singer asked his brother to do it. His brother at this point in time was a very, very unsuccessful filmmaker. So two brothers, both creative, one incredibly successful and one not. And that's what this documentary ends up being about. It starts off as this documentary trying to make a band look cool, but it ends up being about family, success and failure and identity. What's the point of life if you're good at what you do or rubbish at what you love? This only happens because of the intimacy of a sibling relationship. They fall out and argue and cry. And amongst the madness, they love each other deeply. This documentary couldn't have been achieved if it was directed by some stranger employed to do a job. But back to John. In his gospel, he's referred to as the disciple Jesus loved. This is someone writing about a friend 
a brother, and also the savior of the world. If John had a camera, he would have been right in the thick of the crowds. Camera at the ready, knowing exactly how best to capture each moment. So John hits the highlights to really achieve this purpose that he lays out at the end of his book. That you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, by believing you may have life in his name. So we're going to read John, John 1, 1 to 18 together. If you want to turn there, if you have a Bible, uh, or it will be on the screen behind me. So John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So talk about setting the stage. If you want to know who Jesus is, this really paints a spectacular picture of who he is and what he's offered us. Remember how good documentaries challenge your perspective? John decides to take us right back to before creation even began to highlight how supernatural and incredible his friend Jesus is. With his gospel, he is saying, Jesus is mind-blowing. The gift he has offered us is amazing. And by the way, it's been planned for us, for you and me, before creation even began. Everything that has happened throughout the history of the world was leading to this moment. Everything that happens from here on in is never going to be the same again. Empires have risen and fallen over centuries. Society evolves. We've learned how to build a fire. We've learned how to build a castle. We've learned how to build an iPhone. John is intimately aware this is the moment where everything actually changes. And this is a process that happened before creation began and will end long after you and I are gone. So let's dive into it. We're going to explore what John is saying about Jesus and his promise to us in three different ways, all coming in that first verse. The Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. So the Word was with God. 
John introduces Jesus as, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So John is telling us that Jesus was with God in the beginning. The original translation here is logos, meaning God's revealing of himself to us through Jesus. And that's how we're going to look at this. God and Jesus being revealed to us in different ways, finishing with the revelation of Jesus as a human, with the word becoming flesh. John is writing with hindsight. He knows what came before Jesus and what is to come after. He knows its significance and the importance of placing Jesus not just as the Son of God, but God revealed to us in human form. And two things stand out for me here. The first is, John is really trying to hit home Jesus is God, and he does this by marrying his opening with the beginning of Genesis 1. Genesis 1, verses 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Again, Jesus was present before creation itself, was present throughout the many twists and turns of the Old Testament, and now comes to earth to make God fully known to us in a way he previously wasn't. So that's the first thing that stands out to me. And the second is, how incredible the creativity of God is and how much of himself he's revealed through his creativity, which Jesus was involved in. Jesus is the true revelation, but he was involved in the creation of the world, which screams of God's wonder. Have you ever been awestruck by nature? God revealing himself through his creation as a reminder of how much he loves you. Its magnitude makes you feel small, yet still so, so chosen. So here's a couple of crazy facts that reveal God's creativity in nature. Number one, there are 12 times more trees on Earth than stars in the Milky Way. Scientists estimate that there are between 200 and 400 billion stars in our galaxy, while there are an estimated 1 trillion trees on Earth. Who'd have known? Another one, oils don't have eyeballs. The eyes of an oil are long and tube-like. Because of this shape, they are unable to turn or move their eyes. Instead, they can turn their heads up to 270 degrees to gain vision around their surroundings. So that's showing some of God's detail, but this is the one that kind of nails it. Goats have different accents. <laughs> a British study, it had to be a British study, everyone here is obsessed with accents, found that goats from different areas will have different accents. These accents are also said to change as they grow older and move in different groups. While it has not been proven if they have their own language, goats have, found, goats have been found to understand each other's accents. So if you ever see a goat and think you're better than it, you're not. <laughs> Here's one, though, that blows me away every time and really isn't done by justice by photographs, so I've got a painting of it instead because God gave us creativity to celebrate what he's given us on earth. This is back home in Northern Ireland, um, and it's an area called the Moor Mountains. And there is this incredible Im image that appears as you're driving towards it on the, on the motorway. Um, this is actually from the beach a little bit further away, but uh, this is all, um, you can't see it at the start, but as you come down the motorway, it comes into view, and it comes into view from left to right. Um, and when I first took Rosie, I thought, I'm going to impress her, I'm going to show her this fancy view back home, and we got there and it was foggy and you couldn't see it. So, denied. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so they're hidden from view initially, but as you turn around this final corner, they come into view. And on a clear day, there is an incredible mountainscape that rolls down into the sea 
on one side and disappears from view. It is one of my favorite images in the world um, because it's beautiful, but also because it reminds me of being a kid and going camping there. I got baptized in the river that runs through it, that runs into the sea. This little piece of the world, this little piece of creativity is woven into me as a reminder from God that the world does not revolve around me at all. It never has, and it never will. It reminds me also that I am completely insignificant, yet I am eternally loved and chosen by him. It reminds me to give myself to him again and again. In Colossians 1, it says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. God gave us nature to remind us of the promise Jesus comes to give us, the peace, the assurance, the promise of eternal life in him. It's a reminder that his love for us is greater than we could ever imagine and began even before creation. So John, our documentarian, also describes Jesus as the word was God. This is our second point. So we've had the word was with God and now we have the word was God. And John is saying, just in case you weren't listening the first time, Jesus, Jesus wasn't only with God, he is God. And he isn't some great second being, lesser helper or supporter just lending a hand to God. There isn't some competition for the top spot. It's not like Liam and Noel Gallagher falling out and sacking off Oasis because they can't coexist. I'm sure both of them would love being compared to Jesus. <laughs> John doesn't take the time here to dissect what the Trinity actually looks like when we involve the Holy Spirit, but he will explore it more as we get deeper into his gospel. What we're focused on now is how God is revealing himself, that word logos, and we know that Jesus is the completion of this revelation, but before he became flesh, he was the word, and the word was with God and was God. So creation was a way for God to reveal himself a piece of himself before Jesus became flesh. But another way that God would reveal himself is through his words, which is helpful when we think about the translation of logos being the word. There's a bit of a a literalness or a literality to that because God and Jesus use heaps of words all the time. Throughout the the Old Testament, there are loads of promises that are known as prophecies. God would speak to his people, revealing a piece of himself. God would reveal his plan to encourage his followers. God would reveal himself through his words. And they wouldn't always listen, but God's promise always remained the same, which for us should be an incredible encouragement, because no matter how strong we think our faith might be or how weak, we have evidence that God's plan for our lives isn't wavered or affected by our imperfection. Have you ever heard the phrase, you can hold me to my word, or I'm only as strong as my word. That's a promise. That person is saying, you know you can trust me no matter what. I am giving you permission to hold me to a certain standard within the context of this promise. It means a big deal. It carries weight. And for some, for some of you, that you will jump to a person or there's people in your head that you trust wholeheartedly. You know that when they say that, they mean it and it's never going to change. But for others, a promise can actually be quite upsetting, a reminder of hurt, of being let down, being disappointed. Maybe it's something you're still processing and trying to understand. 
Our word and our promise is a big deal. And as broken humans, we don't often reach the heights we try and set for ourselves or for others. But God is a fulfiller of promises. His word is one we can truly lean on, and it can actually take our weight too. Here are some promises that God gave to his people throughout the Old Testament, long before Jesus becomes flesh. So in Isaiah, Isaiah 7, he says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. Again, another from just two chapters later in Isaiah. I kind of always appreciate when the Bible repeats itself just because humans don't get it the first time, and I'm definitely one of them, so always helpful. So in Isaiah 9, he says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord's Lord of hosts will accomplish this. So here he expands on who this child will be and who he is to become. This isn't just the promise of any old child. This child is the mighty God. And finally, here's one from Proverbs. Who has ascended into heaven and descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped the waters in his garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name or his son's name? Surely you know. Can you see why John started with such a grand introduction? He's saying Jesus is everything. He ascended into the heavens and descended to earth. The government rests on his shoulders and he's come to be with us as humans. And he was born just like you were and just like I was. And this was a promise revealed to us time and time again for thousands of years. It's quite a long time to hold a promise. But the promise leads to this. The word became flesh. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. That's a game changer. It makes me think of those who chose to follow Jesus while he was here on earth. If you grew up Jewish, back in the day, you would have heard a lot about a Messiah, a saviour who will bring justice and return the Jewish people to their promised land. You might have heard some rumblings about this guy, Jesus, stirring the pot, throwing out big claims about being the Messiah. And then you meet him, maybe just momentarily, like the woman who touched the hem of his garment, or the blind man, or the woman at the well. And you realise, oh, like you're actually, you're actually him. You're actually the fulfilment of, of everything I've been taught, I've heard, and been told my entire life. If you know Jesus, you'll have an idea of what that moment of revelation and understanding feels like. For some, it's really big and loud. For others, it's small and quiet. It can happen immediately or over years and years and years. God works in us in a million different ways all of which are beautiful. And seeing that moment of understanding or a light bulb moment for someone in any part of their life is amazing. Maybe you've seen someone understand some new language or play an instrument or come to know Jesus. 
Just as I finish up, I want to invite the band back up. I had the privilege of watching a light bulb moment recently. My job is working with young people, primarily young offenders, who are doing their utmost to not reoffend. Some of them are better at it than others. And all of the kids with I work, all the kids I work with, they're very, very money oriented, and some are very good at, at obtaining it in very creative ways. One of them recently decided he wants a job, but his words were a legit one. So off we go to McDonald's to steal their free Wi-Fi and get a milkshake, to write a CV and apply for jobs on Indeed. Two things he had to learn to do from scratch. But he had big plans, and he wanted to start right away in this new job, and he wanted to earn 100K. <laughs> so you've got to start somewhere. So I just kept saying, applying for jobs is tough. We don't always get what we want the first time, but we can take what we get and keep applying for other things. And he's agreeing with me and telling me what I, just what I want to hear. But an hour after the session, he calls me. Right, I got one. Got what? A job. Oh, great, well done. I, never, I don't think I ever doubted you. But I didn't think it would come that quick. And he said, I start on Monday, and I'm getting picked up at 7 AM. Thankfully, at this point, he's forgotten about the 100K price tag that he put on any job that was going to come around this corner. But then his tone shifted, and this was his moment of revelation, his light bulb moment. He said, I'm buzzing. I can make money legit now. I can make money legit now. This is a young man whose world has never looked as promising as it does now. The path to a more positive lifestyle has been lit up with purpose and a fresh sense of identity. That moment of revelation, of understanding how different his path through life now looks. And this has nothing to do with me. It's, this is about his mindset, about him choosing to step away from temptations that are all around him on a daily basis. Quite frankly, it is a miracle. But attach that same revelation to the blind man, to the Samaritan woman, the lame man, when the word became flesh and met them where they were at, alone, forgotten, disregarded, exiled. The realization that there is, as it says in verse 5, a light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Here's me, I'm coming, Tim. And then to us as well, where are you at? Where does Jesus need to meet you tonight? What is it that you need to leave with him this evening? This is not some big God in a faraway land throwing words at us from heaven or using pretty mountains to keep us interested. He came down. He was born to a young girl, a virgin, into total obscurity. He placed himself right in the thick of life at its messiest and most convenient. He experienced pain, sadness, Joy, fear, betrayal. He faced the highest level of rejection from his own people, then died on the cross for them and for us, for the promise of eternal life and life here on earth to the fullest. Not the easiest, but the fullest. This is why I think there's an excitement in John beginning with such a grand image. He's so excited to tell us about the gift he's received and is on offer to us if we want it. 